Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch podcast, specifically season four of the Extra Inch, the all-new Extra Inch. More on that in future episodes, but for now, I hope you enjoyed our new intro music, uh, with massive thanks to David Lindber, who produced that for us and did a fantastic job. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Happy new signing day, Windy. <laughs> and our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello. Boys, we've signed a midfielder. God. Not just that. We signed one of the most sought-after midfielders in Europe. Absolute scenes, mate. And we've also signed uh, a, a French guy uh, <laughs> called T- Tongai Ndombele. <laughs> oh no, uh, no, am I not, not allowed to do that one? No, you could yeah, that do was that. bad. Sorry, you could do that. That was good. <laughs> that was really bad and obvious. I apologise. Um, firstly, are we going for we're going for Tongai Ndombele? Yeah, as a pronunciation. Yeah, close enough. Tongi, Tongai. I Tongui. I think I think most of the South Stand will call him Tangai and Dombele, but um <laughs> Yeah, I you think can, you're right, you, mate. You can go as hipster as you want, Chris, it's your show. Maybe yeah, yeah. Um so we're going for Tongai. Um what a signing, firstly. Um yeah. we we've said for a while that we felt like Daniel Levy was waiting uh, for the right time to strike. And by that, I mean, he was waiting until we had the match day revenue in place. He was waiting until the wage structure wasn't just broken in a kind of inorganic way. He was growing the club, growing the revenue to a point where he could up the wage structure at Spurs. And I think it's fair to say that that has now happened with the new stadium and boom, the wage structure's gone. Harry Kane's on, what, 200k a week? And I'm guessing Ndombele is going to be on something similar because he is a superstar it's a superstar of signing um do you think nathan that this is the start of a series of signings or is this just our one big one for the for the summer it's it's really hard to tell because either would make a lot of sense it could be that we've you know splashed our entire budget on a single player because that was 
a necessity or this could be the beginning of a new era where you know this is our approach to signings because our revenues dramatically increase because we're an elite side who play in the champions league final um who have an incredible manager that is worth backing and improves players um yeah either reality kind of makes sense and it's hard to sort of predict and guess but definitely the club have been saying and the club have been defending their lack of inactivity by saying we're waiting for the right player we we don't want to you know just play a buy a player to to fill a gap now you know if we'd have bought I don't know, Lamina last summer. Yes, that would have been, we would probably have had a better season and, and he's a good player and he'd fit, filled in and done well there. But we then wouldn't have had the funds or the space in our squads to buy a truly elite midfielder in Ndebele. So uh, when I got into guitar, and this is something that all guitarists go through, they realise how expensive everything is, right? And you do this thing where you buy the sort of the cheaper third rate guitar, the cheaper third rate pedal, the cheaper third rate amp. And then you realise that actually, if you're going to gig, you've got to buy it again and buy it again. You keep doing this thing and you realise that the sensible cheap thing to do is actually to splash out and not keep buying things three times over. I think that's the same for players. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I'm totally with you. And the problem we've had in the past, and and to some extent we've still got, is not only do you have to rebuy the better player, you then have to sell the old player yeah. who wasn't up to the mark. And we're having problems there. Um, Buddy, how about you? Do you feel like this is the start of of many signings, or is this a, like a is this a one off? Have we have we dropped sixty million for the first and last time? No, I I don't think. I don't think this is our last signing. It's um, it's you know, it gets banded around that it's a statement, it's a marquee signing, and I I, I think this is because we've we've addressed a serious weakness in the team, and I fully expect us to go on and address other areas, left back, right back, and I I can I can see movement happen happening there. But the amazing thing is, it's it's like an incredible signing. It's like one of the best prospects in world football and he's come to Tottenham and we just dropped 62 million pounds on it and that's just insane just to think 62 million quid on a player I'm, I'm struggling to get my head around it it, it feels as good as when we signed Soldado and Paulinho and all them lot <laughs> <laughs> don't say that <laughs> It's kind of mad when you think about the prices. Like when you see prices and it's other clubs spending that money, it doesn't somehow feel real, and you almost sort of it feels frivolous, and you sort of want to laugh it off. But when it's your own club spending that money, you always feel like it's your own money being spent, but the, the, and you sort of yeah. feel protective of those funds. But with a player as good as him, I do not care. I would have been happy to spend whatever to get this guy because he's just what the doctor ordered. But the he's mad perfect. thing is, it's this almost can be seen as an investment because he's, he's twenty two years old so four year in four years time we could be talking about someone on the same level as Pogba and then you're looking if if it, if it does come to it if Real Madrid Barcelona do come looking then you're looking at 120 130 million pounds for this player so it's a great bit of business and um, you know you've got to give respect to um, to the people behind it Yep, and I think we'll probably see some money being recouped. We've got some players who are likely to leave, and so the net spend ultimately might not be as much as we might expect. But I, I can see us spending a fair bit more money um, this window. You know, we're certainly being linked with plenty more players. Um, Luchelso, as we've mentioned before, has been strongly linked. Uh, Ceballos has been linked um, also this past week, although it's potentially a loan move. And then also uh, the Sessignon twins are still being strongly linked as well. So there's there's other money sort of um, 
being ready ready to spend I, I understand yeah I'm not, um, I'm not sure on the the loan deal I don't think Pochettino kind of likes a loan I, I think the way he invests in players and the way he trains them I don't think he sees much value in perhaps this is why we never went for Tielemans he doesn't see much value in loaning a player improving them and then having to give them back so I, I don't put much um, credence into that into that link fair enough um let's talk about Tongai uh Nathan I'll start with you tell us everything you know about Ndombele <laughs> <laughs> everything mm. um the first thing is that he's he's really really good um and and it's 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 absurd to me that other clubs have allowed us to this ha- to happen because you know there are plenty of clubs with a lot more money than us who could have very much benefited from this player but we are the ones who've got him um uh, and it probably helps that Frankie de Jong and uh, Rabio and Rodri have also sort of moved around this kind of period of time. This sort of that sort of shake up in the market, but all the same. Um, the comparison that is mostly made is to the hole in our squad, which is left by Moussa Dembele. And yes, his name is kind of similar, but they do have some some stylistic. Uh, similarities uh receiving the ball under pressure turning with the ball beating their man uh and moving forward into space you know that's sort of a, a big similarity there but um tangri is like much more creative much more um aggressive with his passing he's got a lovely long through ball on him he loves a vertical pass as well um and yeah he's fitter younger um if you were to try to find a weakness for him, and I, I wouldn't, but if you were to try to, you might say he's not a hundred percent defensively. Um, but the, the, I, I don't want that to be misconstrued. That's a difficult thing to sort of say because he's not weak defensively. I'm not saying he's poor defensively. I'm saying that his his other skill sets are elite, and also he's quite good defensively does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely right yeah I t- I'm, I'm with you um Bardi build on that give us some numbers tell us what how he compares with others yeah I think what Nathan was saying was interesting that he's almost like a um a, bo- a box-to-box playmaker that he can get up and down and he's not going to sit his um dribbling success rate is pretty close to um Dembele's Dembele is 84 percent um, um Endobele is 82 percent I'm, I'm dropping stats man I'm starting to feel really <laughs> starting to feel really uncomfortable I love it keep going <laughs> Um, he he won 66 tackles in League 1 last season, which is a lot. It's more than any of our midfielders tried. And I don't know. He just he just ticks all the boxes, man. He's more creative. He's he's has creates more goals. He does everything. He's amazing. And I think it's fair to say that he's not going to be completely polished, and he's not going to be completely perfect. But this is a guy who's play, played over 5,000 minutes in Ligue 1. Um, he's someone who is certainly ready for the next step. And what better manager to to, to oversee that than Pochettino? Um, and I think also what what's really helpful for him is he's coming into a team structure where it doesn't matter necessarily if he's not immaculate straight away because we know that we can kind of get by with Winks and Sissoko. And so if he does take some time to bed in, which actually I don't think he necessarily will, it's not the end of the world because we've got cover there. Um, I, I personally think we're sort of leading towards Sissoko coming out of the team. I see Ndombele as kind of like Sissoko, but better. Is that yeah. is that fair to say? Stylistically, they're similar. They both like to break forward. Um, they both like to run with the ball. They both like to commit players. But Ndombele is much more polished 
with his passing, as Nathan's already said. Uh, what, one other weakness, Nathan, I, I would add, is that he doesn't score many goals at this point. But again, that can that's something that can, can come later. Um, so he, he only, he's only scored one goal in Ligue 1, I believe. Um, yeah, I, sorry. I, I'm, I'm not sure I would use the, the phrase weakness mm. to describe a lack of goals. Mm. I don't think that, like, if a fullback only scores a goal a season, we don't call that a weakness. Or if a centre-back, okay, maybe they should score headers, but we don't call that a weakness i i the idea that central midfielders sh- all of them should be scoring goals is, is is a misnomer for me sorry to push back on that I no, just, no, because I... because dembele was subjected to the same thing and there was this narrative around him he's so brilliant why doesn't he score goals and i was always frustrated by that conversation i don't want to go through that again and, and modric before him too but i would say yeah. that there's i would say that there are probable differences in the expectations of the roles whereas dembele played in a pivot he played in a double pivot he he generally played just in front of the back four whereas Ndombele I think is going to be the breaker from midfield so he's going to be expected to be driving the play forward and controlling uh possession he'll be receiving it from Winks and, and progressing us up the field and then f- from what we've seen of him at his, his current his previous club finding the right back that's a lot of his game is he'll find the right back and, and we'll come on to right backs later because <laughs> I think there is an issue there um, but then getting into the box as well and, and making himself an option and if he can add that to his game if he can add goals to his game that that will be a really helpful thing and if we are transitioning to 4-3-3 which I think this signing true, looks like true. we are then you probably do need some goals from from at least one of your your three midfi- central midfielders. Um, Fair enough. Let's talk a little about how this changes things. I've just mentioned right back there because I think it's important. I, I think the right back position becomes even more important to strengthen. Now we've got a player like Ndombele who will progress the ball into that kind of right channel. You then need someone to pick up the slack and, and do some good stuff with the ball once he's done his part. And, and, you know, judging on last season at least and the season before the previous season, Trippier might not be that man unless Pochettino thinks he can turn Trippier back round into the, the player he was uh, the season before last. Um, so I think right back now becomes number two priority in terms of our summer business. Um what other things do you do you think are essential this summer, Nathan? Uh, essential is hard. I, I do. We have addressed the most essential thing. I think that if either of Alderweireld or Eriksson were to leave, they would become essential, but they're not until they do. Right back is is you could say that's borderline essential. And I do also think that we want a defensive midfielder. We want a a, a Wanyama who's not broken kind of player. Interesting. So, what are you going to do there? How are you going to? Are you saying then that Winks would not be the deepest lying in the midfield three, and you'd have a you'd have a natural sort of ball winning holder there, and then Winks off to the left? Yeah. So, uh, I think that um, if we go with this idea of moving to a three man midfield, you have your your fixed Wanyama. Um, you have. Ndombele playing as sort of the more defensive number eight and you have a more attacking number eight who could be Eriksen if he stays or could be Lachelso or Fernandez or whoever else we might bring in for Eriksen and Winks is plays back up to all three roles because that's his the, his versatility is that and he will pick up plenty of game time without shouldering so much of the burden by being this sort of fourth midfielder off the bench. Okay, that's. I mean, that's fair. I, I, I it's hard to disagree with that. I, I, in my head, I'm seeing Poch putting full faith in Winks as the deepest lying uh, midfield player sure. um, because I think he can do. I think he's kind of shown that he's got the intelligence to play that role. And I think the signing of Dombelli means the way we change, the way we play has changed somewhat, and we will, in my opinion, have more control of the ball. Whereas where we were with Winks and Soko last year, we were often chasing the ball. We didn't have as much of it as previous seasons, and we didn't win it as early as previous seasons. 
seasons and we didn't spring teams as early as previous seasons. And I think we can kind of go back to some of those early Pochettino traits where we're winning the ball back quickly and then we're hitting teams where it hurts early and quickly and we're having probably a lot more of the ball and that suits Winks' game. Um, so I, I like him as the deepest line midfield player for, for next year and like you say signing a number eight to replace Ericsson then becomes vital if Ericsson is to go I mean if Ericsson stays then wow it's almost like yeah man it becomes uh, dare I say a, a title challenging midfield I mean that you, you, you do dare say that I, I do I really like today I really feel like saying that that's how good this signing's made me feel like I'm properly excited for the first time in a long time about this signing I think it's incredibly exciting so Bardi for you what are the priorities now I mean it seems it seems sort of um, churlish to start talking about the next signing because we've already had two and we'll come on to the second shortly but who's the one you really want now Bardi um I think I think the right back situation will kind might even be settled this this summer by Foyf playing in Copa America because tonight is the semi-final and he looks likely to start a right back again and perhaps I mean, I still don't believe he's a Pochettino right back, but perhaps we've got something within the squad there that will that will fill that gap. But um, it was it was interesting listening to you guys chat about Winks, and um, I kind of agree with Nathan more than you, Wendy, about Winks will become a um, a kind of the rotation option between the free the free and midfield. But then I also do think if the right player doesn't come available, uh, would we'll be I'd be more than happy to see Winks play as yeah. the deepest liar with then perhaps Dyer or Wanyama filling in when um, when needed. So I'm, I'm I'm quite comfortable in both situations. I think for us it's more important to get a right back, sort out the Alderweireld situation. If he goes, we're going to need a replacement and sort out Ericsson as well. Um, I'm not sure where the future lies for Ericsson. I don't see I don't see clubs opening up for him. Uh, PSG, I don't think there's space there now. I'm not sure about Real Madrid. I don't think there's space at Barcelona. I wouldn't be surprised if Ericsson set, sits down and signs a new contract in the next couple of weeks. I would absolutely love for that to happen. Yeah. I would love that to happen. I mean, the talk today is that um, Real now turn their attentions to Ericsson and make him a priority. Um, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, for Real Madrid to do that, they're going to have to start shifting somebody because now they're, they've got a, they're, getting, they're collecting centre midfielders. They've got to shift Hammers. They've got to make a decision on Cruz, Modric, all these guys. They're, um, you know, even though financial fair play, it, maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't. They can't go into the season with like ten Galacticos in centre midfield. Is that not Sabios though? Like in offloading Sabios, are they not creating space for Ericsson? I, I think they would look. They, I think to be honest with you, they probably got offload a bigger earner or a bit more money than um, Sabios. Fair and enough. The space in the first eleven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sabios doesn't open up a gap for Ericsson. Fair enough. Um, we're going to move on to talk about our other signing today, which is you know in many ways almost as exciting because it was our first one. Uh, our first signing for like 516 days, something mad like that. And it was Jack Clark, who is the 18-year-old attacking midfielder from Leeds, a young English talent, um, who, who really hasn't played that many minutes, but has certainly caught the eye when he has. He, he caught my eye a couple of times last year. And um, we spoke about him in the last podcast. Nathan, you saw him in the flesh. And Nathan's just been talking to a notable Leeds fan and extra inch alumni, John McKenzie, about his thoughts on Jack Clark. So you're going to hear that now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, 
relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. It's Nathan. Uh, I'm here to have a quick chat about our new signing, our first signing in over 500 days, Jack Clark, with John McKenzie. Uh, John has been on before, um, and you should definitely go back and listen to that episode. Uh, but just as a reminder, he is, first and foremost, a good friend of mine. He is a freelance football journalist with some focus on the political and the philosophical. But most importantly for us, he is a Leeds fan, or he is currently until they get bought out by the Qatari Empire. <laughs> uh, John is also currently writing a book about Marcelo Bielsa. Hello, John. How are you, mate? Hello, Nathan. I'm good, thanks. Awesome. So, yes, our first transfer in 18 months, and it's a loan straight back. <laughs> um, this was sort of... And I'm going to do the, the bad hosting thing where I give my opinion up front and then go to you. So apologies <laughs> for that one. But this this was sort of confusing to me at first. I didn't really get this, especially, uh, and that's not, not true anymore because there's been another signing. But uh, this idea that we were first and foremost going after sort of a winger uh, and a young winger who probably wasn't Premier League ready. It was sort of, why is this such such a rush but with the loan back that sort of makes sense I think I think this is sort of a an opportunistic buy where it's like there's a, a young talent available we do need English players eventually we'll, we'll sort of sign up their future now but we will allow them to develop in the situation they're currently in and currently thriving in um, so firstly how do you and how do other Leeds fans feel about this deal and the loan back do you, is there sort of a sense of like being used in that regard I don't think so. I think a lot of the a lot, of, and we, I know we're going to go on to talk about this, but a lot of this um, Jack Clark business has been viewed by the fan base in the light of the fact that he had um, he picked up a virus in February and was out for about mm. a month and a half, and it was a very serious virus. He picked it up. He picked it. Well, he basically collapsed on the bench against Middlesbrough. Uh, no one knew what was going on um, and was all up in the air. So it's clearly. When you hear the word virus, you sort of think, well, it doesn't sound too bad, but it kept him out for six weeks. Um, when he came back, he was a shadow of the player that he'd been before. Um, I know that you saw him with me at Brentford yes. and he had a really poor game that day. Um, wasn't particularly representative of how he'd been before that. I'm glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think that the, the Leeds fans have a very short term memory about these sorts of things. So I think had we got to the end of the season and that virus had never happened and he'd carried on playing the way that he played before, that then I think there would be a lot more of a uh, of a furore about this, but I think Leeds fans kind of feel 
Um, yeah, we, we're not entirely sure how good he's going to be, given how he was at the end of the season. But he um, was someone who thrived under Bielsa, and we're happy to have him on board. Uh, we're bringing in a few other players as well, so we've got a bit more rotation in that area as well. So I think the Leeds fans have generally been quite happy, especially with the fact that this is a fairly decent sum of money. There's quite a few add-ons as well, and, and like you say, we get the loan back. So I think the Leeds fans are actually fairly pleased with it because it could have been someone like Calvin Phillips who I think would have been much more upsetting to the whole system I like Phillips I'm very I mean I don't think he would step up to Spurs especially well but I do really enjoy watching him play I enjoyed him on that Brentford game anyway that mm. uh, you brought up a couple of points there that I do want to revisit but let's just talk about him generally can you describe him as a player for us yeah, so he's just a, he's a very classic wide player um, for us. Um, we play in a system that I guess a lot of Spurs fans would be familiar with the sort of uh, football that we're playing, given that you have the Bielsa Pochettino um, absolutely uh, crossover. And I guess an- that's another reason why Spurs fans should feel positive about this, because essentially you're you're buying in a player fairly decent value but you're also giving him back to Bielsa to to develop for another season so that that should be a good thing all round but um the way that we've been playing is um we 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 play in a in a 4141 which is very fluid and it it sort of works around this system that Bielsa has where there's one of the center, uh, one of the central midfielders drops in a little bit closer to the center backs the wing wing um, backs well, full backs push right up um it's it's positional play so we're we're looking at um gaining superiorities in various areas we're looking at um uh, overloading in 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 wide areas in order to isolate on the on the far side um and 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 jack clark fit fit in very well in that system where he's expected to get um into into one-on-ones in wide areas and then and then feed the ball across to other players um and he was actually probably quite he was quite missed towards the end of the season i think because um teams started sitting back against us and we we relied heavily on Pablo Hernandez who played as almost like an inside forward in the wide area rather than an out and out winger which meant that we were relying on the other winger to do a lot of the creative work in terms of um classic wing play um and that tended to be Jack Harrison who wasn't always up to the task uh, and we missed we missed having Jack Harris uh, Jack Clark in those scenarios where he can actually genuinely get into one-on-one scenarios and and beat a player and then hit bylines or even just go around them and cut back inside and then curl in a shot. Um, we actually we actually missed a bit of that guile I think at the end of the season when teams were sitting deep against us and we just didn't have anyone who was really very good at dribbling. So I'd say Clark is for, first and foremost a very good ball carrier. Um, and in in a very deceptive way, I think he's not. It's not like watching someone who's, uh, I guess, a more uh, of a classic dribbler. So someone, like, I guess, Spurs fans would be used to um, Son and and Moore being being good on the ball. But Clark is one of those players who just he just seems to move the ball really well. He understands how to manipulate space in one on one scenarios. Um, so um, that that's what you'd be looking for. Um, in, in, when he came back in the second part of the season after his after his virus, he was expected to do things a little bit differently, and it didn't work out quite so well as well. So, um, I'd say that Leeds were taking more shots from outside the box, and 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 I guess panicking a bit as well. So it would be unfair to to judge anything of that. But yeah, you're looking at a classic winger, good on the ball, good um, pacey, uh, gets gets down to bylines, hits it uh, bylines, and and pulls the ball back. So I'm sure that will fit in well with the Spurs system. 
Yeah, there's definitely because um, you talked about the, the obviously the Bielsa Pochettino link there. There's definitely sort of a sense of um, sort of excitement I feel between these two old friends to sort of combine together professionally on on a project together, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so Jack, he's he's very right footed. Is that correct? Yeah. But he plays on both the right and left side, so he can play mm-hmm. as an outside winger on the right, putting crosses in, or if he plays on the left, he'll he'll cut inside and be sort of more varied in his attack. Yeah, is that... it all depended on who he came on for again. Uh, for lead so if he if he came on for someone like Pablo Hernandez the expectation was that he would cut inside more and Jack Harrison would be the the the, the wide player um, and so they would bring Harrison across to the right and Clark would then play on the left with the ability to then cut inside on his right foot and get shots away so yeah it's it's interesting so he he had 24 league appearances last season <laughs> and 20 of those were off the bench yep. um is that because he wasn't good enough to break the first team or is that about a sort of a, an intelligent use mm-hmm. of him tactically because he could be adaptive and you could change your team or is there a, is there a potential fitness issue in there yeah it's funny you should say the fitness issue because I mean, he was he wasn't really brought in until about six six seven games in. Um, he'd been he'd been working with the under twenty threes and then was brought in and and played as a sub basically as an impact sub really. And that was um, what we were saying before. You know, the ability at the end of games to just run at, at fullbacks and and take them on. Um, so he was played like that. And in fact, he only ever I think he only ever played ninety minutes on one occasion. Um, so the majority of the time he was being brought on as an impact wow. sub. Um, but there are he was also being played in the under 23s at times as well so there were scenarios where he would be playing for the under 23s and then a couple of days later playing for the full team um so there was there were some games that he did come on and he looked like he had fitness issues but then he'd played he played 60 or 70 minutes uh, a couple of days before as well so um i think it was just i think the issues with with him not getting full game times was more to do with the fact that bielsa felt more um he felt more keen to play uh, Harrison ahead of him and then he would bring on Clark to to replace whoever he felt wasn't getting the most out of the game be it Hernandez or or Harrison so okay well let's let's address the uh, the elephant in the room let's talk about that virus so he was he was lighting things up beforehand mm-hmm. went away ill for a while and when he came back um he wasn't performing well and the team as a whole weren't performing yeah. well so maybe that sort of didn't help him recovery but is there sort of a concern that he's you know taken some kind of permanent damage there or are you more optimistic than that? yeah so he got injured on the 9th of february um against middlesbrough um and i'm just looking at it now he didn't come back until the 16th of um, March, so he's out for six games there, um, and then after that he doesn't play more than well, he plays twenty nine minutes in the final uh, league game against Ipswich. Um, that's the most he plays. Um, everything else is sort of twenty minutes, twenty minutes, 30, thirteen minutes. So um, he he didn't really have a huge amount of chance to come back. He also he was out for a, a game as well and was on the bench for another game. Didn't come on, so he wasn't really given a fair show. Um, he was on the bench against Villa as well. So it's it's not the case. I, I don't think that you know he came back and was just disappointing. He was never really given the chance to do anything okay. other than just come on as a sub. And in most of those games, you know, there were we're chasing games or we were already down. So. He, his first game back was he got 13 minutes at the end against Sheffield United we were we were already 1-0 down at that point um, and I think there was a lot of pressure on him because he had been an impact sub to to produce something and, and, and you know how it is when, you, when you're thrown on in those scenarios the expectation is on you to do something and, and often trying very sure. hard is not the, the best way to achieve any of these things so I suspect that 
um, given the given the scenario, a summer off, um, all of this transfer speculation that had been around for a while anyway. Um, I mean, there was there was transfer transfer speculation around in in January window as well. So now that this is all sorted out, he can now come back to Leeds and and um, just get his head down and work and, and have a full summer um, and have recuperated after his virus. I suspect he'll come back and be good again. So I'm not too worried about him, him not picking up from where he left off. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, Pochettino is sort of notoriously reluctant to send players on loan because he wants them to be coached the right way, in his way, and obviously, you know, Bielsa is a situation where he's getting that. Another concern is, of course, game time. There's no point sending a player out if he's not going to play. So, with Leeds being linked to two other wingers quite strongly, is that correct? Um, is there any fear about game time dropping off? Is there going to be more rotation? Yeah, I think he's. I think he'll be getting plenty of game time. If I'm honest, we're we're linked with um, Helder Costa from from Wolves, and then they're bringing Jack Harrison back, um, and then we've got I guess Pablo plays as a winger. Um, Roughly, or as like an inside forward, as one of those two. So, it, it, for me, the question is whether or not Pablo is played in that position again. Whether or not the team decides that actually he might um, he might be okay playing as a ten because we've, we've we're pretty thin on the ground in the central area. Um, so, I don't know whether or not um, Bielsa played. Pablo wide because he felt as though that was his best position or whether or not he felt it, that he it was better playing him there because he had um he didn't have options elsewhere so if he's got um a classic um wide player like like um Helder Costa he'll probably he'll probably um start in in that area and then I think they'll probably rotate Clark and Harrison uh, in the other wide area so it, it all comes down to whether or not um Hernandez plays in the 10 role uh, or not how they fit Hernandez in the team but I suspect because um Bielsa had made a big point about getting um double coverage in every position um as as part of our as part of our transfer um project this summer I think that um I think that that means that that he's um definitely going to have time and I think he'll probably rotate with with Harrison, similar to the way that he did um, in in the season. All right, brilliant. Um, I could bug you with some other questions, some some sort of more outside questions, but I know that there is an England women's game on in a few minutes that you want to catch, so <laughs> I will let you go. Uh, you are John underscore McKenzie with an That's A right. in Mac on Twitter. Have you got anything <laughs> else to, to plug while you're here? No, not really. I have a I have a newsletter that some people enjoy, so maybe you will. Um, but that's on my Twitter as well, so you can go over there, and that just kind of recounts what's going on with the writing of the book on Marcelo Bielsa as well. So everything's over there. I certainly enjoy your newsletter. Thank you very much for coming on, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. Thank you very much, John, for uh, your expert thoughts on Jack Clark, and well done, Nathan, for for hosting that section. Um, Bardi, have you got any thoughts on on Jack Clark? Yeah, he looks like a good lad. Someone that would um, you'd bump into around the chippy. He looks like a good lad. Never seen him play. Before. He's got a very uh, what I would say a young man's haircut. Yeah, That's he's true. Got, <laughs> he's the, the, the kind of haircut that my mum would say is a bit rough. Yeah, if I saw him lurking around my car, I would kind of stop and wait for him to move. <laughs> he's got those kind of faces. Bit of a scally. Kind of no, yeah, I, you're making him out to definitely. be rougher than he is. I think he has like Snapchat hair. I think that's what we're talking about here. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're 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 spot on with that. Yeah, Snapchat hair is a lovely description. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I mean, you can hear our thoughts on on Jack Clark from the previous episode, and obviously John knows a lot more about him than we do, so um, hopefully you enjoyed his thoughts as well. Um, right, we're going to leave it there, but we'll be back when we sign more players. More players! We want more players, Daniel Levy. We're not done just yet. Um, hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we'll be back soon. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. 
Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, The Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.